Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at another Next Level Brands podcast. Our podcast is brought to you today by KitchenToShelf.com. Kitchen to Shelf is the educational arm of Next Level Brands CPG community and a provider of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at all stages of growth. Whether you're an early stage startup, a local growing business, or a regional powerhouse, kitchentoshelf.com can help you scale your business at retail, on Amazon, or even food service. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. Hi, this is Steve Clear. We've got a great show lined up for you this week. Joining me today is Matt Feldman, co-founder and CEO of Moku. Growing up in Hawaii, Matt was raised with an appreciation for nature and a lifelong commitment to preserving the environment. At an early age, he learned the immensity of carbon footprints provided by the meat industry, which led him to gravitate toward plant-based foods and sustainable food sources. As a serial entrepreneur, he started his first business with his sister, buying and selling used college textbooks. While attending college at Baruch University, Matt co-founded Undorm.com, an online platform designed to help college students find affordable housing. And he also co-founded his first food startup, Cinco Terra Specialty Coffee. After graduating, Matt went into a leading technology company, of course, Commerce Experience, where he learned the ins and outs of growing an online business. In 2018, Matt transitioned to a vegan lifestyle and began looking for a replacement for his favorite go-to snack, which was beef jerky. He was inspired to create his own after struggling to find a minimally processed allergen-free alternative at the grocery store. This led him to team up with two renowned culinary experts, Thomas Bowman and Alice Borzari, to develop a jerky alternative that would emulate the taste and texture of the meat while remaining healthy for consumers and the planet. After more than a year of development, the mushroom-based Moku was finally born. In 2020, Moku earned a coveted spot on Amazon's invitation-only emerging brands program. Matt is also one of Forbes' 30 under 30. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Wow. So, um, you know, on, entrepreneurship, I mean, it, you know, it's in your blood, it's in your blood, right? You just, you, you just start doing it. But yeah. like a lot of entrepreneurs who are in this space in, in food and Bev, um, you really worked on a product to kind of solve your own kind of personal, um, personal mission, personal journey um, in getting, replacing your favorite snack. So how did that, how'd that work out? Yeah. So at the time, you know, I was shifting from shifting to a more plant-based lifestyle and uh, I'd say a number of things kind of hit me at once. You know, I was one, you know, looking for a meat alternative for myself. I was also learning more about, you know, the carbon footprint of the beef industry and factory farming and how, you know, it was leading down a, a bad path for the earth. And then I also, you know, kept seeing mushrooms in the news on restaurant menus. And, you know, the more research I did, I just found that mushrooms can, if cooked the right way, you can do extraordinary, extraordinary things with them. Um, so it kind of just hit me like, one of those things where you're not really thinking about it in life when there's just a flow and it's like, wow, like this is definitely the right path, the right thing to do. Um, so, you know, when I thought of the idea and I started making it from my home, it was a, it was a okay product. I would say I don't have a ton of culinary experience. Um, but when I decided to do it, um, and, and really pursue it as a business, I, the first thing that came to my head was let, I need to find the, the smartest, most talented person to take this to the next level. And, you know, having not, not too big, big of a um, network in the food industry, I just started reaching out to people on LinkedIn, founders, product developers, anyone that I could that would take a, a call or a coffee date with me um, just to pick their brain and grow my network. And 
through that, I eventually found Thomas Bowman, who was the uh, former head of product development at Just. You know, he had worked on the egg product, the mayo product, and it just so happened that he was leaving the company when when we met, and he uh, joined forces with me for about six months to take my kitchen recipe and and take it to the next level. Wow, and that's so. Um, with, without getting into uh, obviously proprietary recipes and stuff, what what do you do with mushrooms to turn them into a jerky? Yeah, it's definitely a lot different from turning beef into jerky. Um, there's multiple cooking steps. It's pretty difficult to get the mushroom, the marinade to adhere into the mushrooms without being too sticky and, and getting that perfect texture. So um, long story short, you know, it took about six months to get the prototype done with Thomas. And then, you know, we thought we'd be able to scale it from there in mass production, but there were some fundamental issues with the product that, you know, prohibited us from going right into full scalability mode. So that's when we partnered up with Ali Buzari out of Berkeley and the, the pilot RD team. And he helped, you know, take it back to square one and, and redevelop the product to be made for scale. And a lot of that work was around um, figuring out how to get those mushrooms to absorb the marinade and not be sticky because that was the most difficult part. And we did over 100 iterations with the product, changing everything from cooking times and temperatures and steps to marination, mar- marinade adhering steps um, to really get that texture to emulate, you know, beef as, as best as possible. And after about eight months of doing that, we, we finally got to a version that we were happy with. And did you start doing this, um, Matt, when you were at Bloomreach, where you had your day job and you were cooking this? Yeah. On the yeah. So I was working in account, a strategic account management role and, um, you know, working in tech was great in terms of, you know, the perks and, and the money and, and the freedom, but I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. And I had frankly a lot of free time. So when I wasn't working, I was, you know, making mushroom jerky at home and I made a, a promise to myself that I would save every penny for eight months to hire a product developer like Thomas. Um, so I actually um, got out of my lease and I lived with, you know, anyone who I could on their couch for eight months, eight, eight, different, yeah. eight different homes to be, to be uh, uh, honest. And, um, and I was able to eat all my meals luckily at my work, um, but I was making mushroom jerky, going to work and, and not doing much else, saving every penny. And, um, and, you know, finally saved up enough to hire Thomas and, and, and uh, bootstrap, you know, the first year of the business. And, uh, once we got to a certain place in, in the fundraising process, I, I basically had to add Moku to my LinkedIn page because some of the investors were questioning whether I was fully committed to this. And that's when I had to quit my full-time job at Bloomreach and, and go full on into Moku. Uh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you need to, you need to, yeah, we need to know, are you in both feet or just exactly. like, you know, dipping a toe in the water? <laughs> um, so uh, tell me, Matt, what, what does Moku stand for? Or is it just made up? No. So, uh, you know, I grew up in Hawaii. My, my family's part Hawaiian and, and Moku means land division or island division in Hawaiian. And the way we connect that to the brand is helping to preserve the land rather than destroy it by using uh, sustainable ingredients, you know, for our food system. Absolutely. No, that's great. Um, so when you, when you were developing this and looking at the scalability and stuff, were you thinking about how you were going to market it. I mean, you had your e-commerce experience, so that was kind of obvious. You were, you know, launching e-commerce, but did you also do some stuff around, you know, around where you were living and working to have people test it and try it and get feedback and stuff? Yeah. So I would say like 
I was pretty naive when I started the business. I, I didn't, did not know how the back end manufacturing worked in the food industry. Um, I frankly thought if I, you know, developed a prototype with a really smart and talented product developer, then we would be able to scale up and basically turn that into a, um, you know, a product that can be made, you know, with thousands of bags at a time. And that was where I was very wrong. Um, so the way it started was, you know, once we had that prototype out, we, I connected with a bunch of successful founders and, you know, got the product in front of the Thrive Market CEO, founder and CEO, Nick Green, and the Casper CEO, uh, COO, uh, Neil Parikh, and um, the Mendocino Farms founder, the Juneshine founder, the Soylent founder. And these, these folks came on as early investors. Um, yeah. yeah. But the one thing I didn't have was a road to scalability. So I, you know, reached out to every co-packer in the, the meat uh, jerky industry and most turned me down. Most didn't want to work with the plant-based or mushroom-based product um, just because the USDA is so strict with, with beef and contamination and all that. Sure. Yep. Um, so I was, you know, I hit a place where I was like, I, I, I'm not the best person to, um, you know, figure out the back-end manufacturing. And that's when I connected with uh, my now co-founder, Melissa Ficina, who um, has been in the food industry her whole life on the back end. And uh, she started a, a operations firm called City, S-I-D-D-H-I op, Ops. And, you know, they help emerging food brands scale the backend operations. And when I met Melissa, she's like, you know, this is the best snack I've ever tasted. And, you know, one, you can work with our operations team, but I want to be involved, you know, as a co-founder with a brand. And, you know, you, you are talented on the front end, but you don't know what you're doing on the back end. And I was, you know, at the time looking for a co-founder that can help me in a complimentary way, you know, scale up the business. Sure. And it just worked out perfectly. So brought Melissa on as a co-founder, started working with her operations team. And that's when, um, that's when, you know, we started fundraising from VCs. I think we were more of an investable company at that point. So for the next year, we, we really just set up our business to be scalable from the day we launched, because what a lot of CPG food businesses do is, you know, they're only capitalized to start producing out of a commercial kitchen. And once they outgrow it, they, um, you know, start integrating into a co-packer as volumes increase. And for our product, we didn't want to go through that stage. So we thought, you know, you know what, we're, we've raised enough money so that we can capitalize the, you know, the back end and, and invest in our own machinery and, and, um, you know, a, a production line at a co-packer. So that's what we did. It, it took, you know, over it took about two and a half years from when I started the business to launching in December 2020 to, you know, get the back end, get the first the product developed and the back end smooth. Um, and then in the meantime, you know, I was working with a, a couple of folks on the front end branding and the marketing side. Yeah, scaling is a uh, is is a huge challenge for mm -hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, and they say, you know, it's 20 stores is easy, 200 I begin to sweat, 2,000 I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's a transition almost from food industry, beverage industry, which we're we're all in, we all love, yeah. to the logistics industry, which mm -hmm. is kind of like, okay, you know, I got I got to do this, but you know, um, and and a lot of people, of course, with a co-packer or whatever, also have to move from recipe to formula. That's not easy either, right? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not ever quite the same. You know, it's, so if it's you're really in love with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I got to, okay, this is really good, but boy, this is not what I was making when I was at the farmer's market. You know, yeah. Do that. Um, so when you, you, you were doing this and you got the, the co-founder, which is great because you've got a co-founder with complementary skills, which yeah. is absolutely awesome. Mm -hmm. And, and for folks that are building teams out there, find people who know things you don't. 
that's that's where you want to go. Yeah. Um, did you then take some of the experience from your your tech, your e-commerce stuff, and apply it? How how did you guys approach launching the product at e-commerce? Yeah. So my my experience at my tech company was more with um, very very large brands that had huge catalogs and not necessarily Shopify sites with um, you know under fifty SKUs. So um, you know I, I took like the general knowledge from it and was able to apply it, but um, Shopify was much different. So you know, we, we wanted to, you know, with, with jerky, I, I think it hit, it checks all the boxes for a strong direct to consumer business. It's light, it's shelf stable and it's addicting. Yeah. Um, so from day one, you know, we saw these brands, you know, like magic spoon and, and mud water that did not need to go into retail and they were able to build a subscription business online and put all of their resources into optimizing that checkout flow and, and education online and, and the content that they're creating. And that's what we wanted to emulate with Moku. So instead of focusing on retail, we put all of our eggs into developing a, um, a really like simple and, and easy, you know, commerce site on Shopify. Right. And um, which takes a lot of time. I mean, content with the fact that someone can't hold the product and, uh, you know, in their hand at a store, like you, you got to put a lot of work into you know, getting them to purchase $40 worth of jerky without trying it. Um, so I worked with a lot of talented people on the front end and, um, you know, worked and working with Facebook ads, Instagram, Google, TikTok. So, you know, everything is online. And I think with COVID, um, it was obviously a very difficult time for, for everyone. <laughs> it was, we, we were actually fortunate we didn't launch during COVID. We had some delays and some unfortunate events. But um, it wasn't really the right spirit to launch a brand because you want people to be excited. And frankly, people weren't going to be excited during a time when they were just trying to survive. So that led us to launch, you know, still in COVID, but in December 2020, when things were um, getting a little better. Um, And what what we realized was that the habits, a lot of consumer habits changed during COVID and, and people were more willing to spend you know, money online for food and, and especially yep. snacks, which, you know, yep. they weren't doing a couple of years ago. Um, so it allowed us to, you know, be able to focus on a direct consumer business and not have to rely on retail, which, as you know, is just a lot more capital intensive if you want to do it in a big way. Yeah, exactly. And and folks, uh, you know, if you're interested, it's www.mokufoods.com. That's M-O-K-U-F-O-O-D-S.com. And you can get, you get your subscription probably started today. Um, did you, when you, when you started out, were you looking at different types of different types of flavorings and introducing kind of new things or more traditional kind of umami jerky kind of taste, but where'd you go in that direction? Yeah. You know, we wanted to, our goal was to emulate the beef jerky experience as much as possible. So we didn't want to stray into flavors that were too far away from it. So we focused on, you know, three flavors that were different enough. Um, that had some type of Hawaiian feel to it, um, but weren't super boring. So we went with an original, which is the safe flavor that, you know, anyone will like. And then we went with the Hawaiian teriyaki flavor, which, you know, has some, you know, pineapple and ginger and, and other like island type flavoring in it. And then a sweet and spicy for those who um, want to, you know, go down the wild path and, and, and for a, a spicy treat. But um, we're, we're also working on three new flavors right now. That's great. Um, as Okay, so people are familiar. There's different different types of beef jerky out there: turkey jerky, ostrich jerky, whatever. But it kind of goes from the let's just say a harder, drier compound mm-hmm. to the ones that are a little bit more have a little bit more uh, 
you know, viscousness to them or whatever. Where does mushroom jerky kind of go on that, that, on that spectrum? Yeah. So when, when we started, it was very tough and dry, like some beef jerkies. And there's, you know, there's definitely people that enjoy that. But what we found was that people wanted, you know, an experience that was allowed them to easily eat the jerky and, you know, not have to really yank on it and, and hurt their teeth and whatnot. Um, so we changed the process up a little bit to make it um, like to have a nice chew and, and be an enjoyable mouthfeel feel experience. Um, so we made it a little softer. So I would say like, for those who haven't tried it, it's probably in between some of the vegan jerkies out there that are like very soft and kind of mushroomy and, you know, traditional beef jerky, which is very tough. It's, 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 it's in between. So you still have that like chewy jerky feel, but it's also softer than the, the really tough jerky. So you're not yanking on it that hard. When you launched, were you targeting basically vegans and harder core people who wanted an alternative or did you go a little bit wider on that target? Yeah, that's a great question. So from the beginning, you know, we, we, our, our target market is not necessarily vegans because we're making a, a product that makes it easier for people to shift from eating meat to plant-based. And that can be for health reasons or sustainability reasons. Um, but we want to, we want to make it so that there's no compromise. And because, you know, traditionally like vegan food just hasn't tasted that great. And over the years it's gotten better, but for brands like, you know, impossible and beyond you're, you're compromising on the ingredient label and, and maybe how you feel afterwards, because, you know, there's a lot of chemicals and, and high saturated fat oils in there. And what we wanted to do was, you know, create an alternative that didn't compromise on the ingredient label, didn't compromise on the taste or the health or sustainability. Um, right. And it's tough. That's why it took a year and a half to develop because no one has done this before. I would say the one area that we, we, we did compromise on for the first product is, is the macros of beef jerky. Um, obviously, we would love to have 15 grams of protein in our product, but we didn't want to add, you know, isolates. Um, so we have, you know, our new bags will have six grams of protein in it per bag, which is, you know, it's definitely some protein, not as much as beef, um, but they're also low right. sugar and, and they have high fiber, which, you know, beef and meat products don't have. And I think right. there's definitely a, a trend that, that will be moving to higher fiber products. So that's how we developed it. Um, on, in terms of Amazon, did you, um, and, and again, you de decline to answer if you don't want to, um, but your analytics, did anything surprise you out of the analytics when you're looking at who actually was buying the product and how much? Yeah. I mean, the thing about Amazon, which is why a lot of brands, um, you know, have a Shopify site is because you don't get too much data from Amazon. Mm -hmm. You're starting to get more, but they definitely keep it for themselves uh, so that you, you know, you don't know your customer too much and you can't retarget them. Um, but what we found mostly from our Shopify site was that uh, the majority of people who were buying our jerky were not vegans. And, and we got that information more from the, the reviews and people reaching out to us. Um, we also found that, you know, there are more women than men buying it. And, um, hmm. And, yeah, okay. and, and there are also a lot of states that like you, you wouldn't necessarily think would, would be open to plant-based alternatives that are buying the product, which is really cool because we know that like California and New York will buy it, but we're trying to reach like middle America too. And, 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 you know, allow for options for those people, you know, that want to something uh, plant-based or mushroom-based. And, and, and not to uh, uh, single out our brothers in Texas, but they're in the midst of, of really trying to clamp down on meat alternative labeling 
and sales stuff and what you can say and what you can't say. And, you know, obviously it'll get overruled eventually by the federal government, but um, clearly, you know, a term like jerky is jerky, right? It's just, it's a methodology. It's not necessarily what it is, but if you were, you know, if you were saying mushroom meat or something else, and so they're getting on it because I'm assuming that the beef lobby is probably saying, you know, you guys need to do something about this. And to be fair, the milk people, you know, we're talking about um, the fellow from, from just, and all that is um, over the years, a lot of people in dairy and in meat or whatever have had their hands slapped and fine and whatever else by putting things on the label that were just a little, not quite, you know, or could be misinterpreted. And, you know, it, it comes around, goes around. Um, now that's back on the other foot. So now the alternative people have to look at going for alternative. But you mentioned the thing about non-vegans. And that's really what I was getting at was um, the fact that you launch something that actually is interesting, healthy, and tastes good. And it's like, okay, yes, I want people who are of that mission, whether it's vegan or, or vegetarian or partial vegetarian, to try the product. But there's this much larger audience out there mm-hmm. that you know would regularly eat beef, maybe beef jerky, whatever, who might go, I'll, I'll try it. And then boom, they try it. It's like, wow, this really tastes good. And it's better for me. Oh, you you got me sold. So I think that, I think it's really great. So what are you looking at sort of as the next area of growth? You got some new flavors coming out, but um, have you guys looked hard at retail and what the future entails? Yeah. So um, there's still a lot of online channels that we want to, uh, you know, ramp up in, you know, including Thrive Market. You know, there's, there's marketplaces like Sunbasket and other snack Yep. Um, distributors online that I think are lower hanging fruit than retail uh, right now, but we're also yep. Yep. we're also in some like very strategic accounts in LA, more for you know to get the word out, and um, we have a, our ba- our bacon bits bits product on a on a salad or on a on a menu in LA at Goop Kitchen on one of the salads. So <laughs> testing that out, but um, we honestly haven't looked that much into retailers. We're we're just trying to. Um, supply our, our online business now. And there's still a lot of work for us to do to increase our production, to support it and, and support our growth online. But um, I think we'll be, we'll definitely be launching into retail next year. Uh, but with some of these brands like, like Magic Spoon, you know, they, they got to 35 million in sales, you know, without having to go into a retail store or even sell on Amazon. So there's yeah. a lot of potential online first. And it, it, it just allows us to control the business a little better. Um, understand who's buying our product, where they're buying it from. And if you, you know, have enough data like this and you're able to you know, approach retailers with that data, there's just a lot more leverage when going into retail. So we're, we're not in a rush to go into retail, but to answer your question on, on some of the other stuff we're working on, um, we're building out our innovation pipeline of new products. Um, so we're still figuring out what these new products will be, but I would say think of, you know, functional and, and meat-like snack, meat alternative snacks, mm-hmm. um, in addition to jerky that we're, um, you know, we're coming up with them and we'll start developing them over the next year. Um, and, and on your website, are you, are you guys handling your fulfillment and stuff on the website or is that 3PL now? Um, so yeah, we're, we, we, our 3PL is, is, is connected to our co-packer and, and everything goes through Shopify. Um, right. so it's a pretty seamless process. Keeps it, it keeps it simple and you have to worry yeah. about it. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't have to fulfill, uh, orders in my basement. <laughs> well, well, it's, you know, what, what some people went through in the, in the, in the pandemic was when they were very, very Amazon forward was um, Amazon was having trouble basically getting stuff. It, you could get it to Amazon, 
but Amazon getting it so that it would actually show up on the page and be available was different. And there's a whole nuance in there of, of what they call it, but it forced some people to take back and start fulfilling their own product. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which they weren't necessarily ready for, you know, at that point. Right. I did. But at least it's, at least the alternative was there for a lot of people because it's just, it's a different, the logistics are, are very different. And again, you mentioned the, the, you know, the advantages of having a product that is basically shelf stable or whatever else. There's people who are doing a big business on Amazon and their product is, which I think is the most challenging, is refrigerated. Mm-hmm. Frozen is okay because I, I got a little I got a little space when it's frozen, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's refrigerated, I, I got no margin of error at all. It's got to get there. And that's just really, really, you know, yeah. really challenging. It's definitely like refrigerated products, like chocolate products, it's it's definitely more difficult and and not knowing what's going to happen to your product during the um, you know shipping it into the warehouses. Yep. So it, it works with that. Um, so and 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 again, and looking down the road in the sort of in the meat snack area and and then expanding. So you've got a chance to expand both from breadth and then also depth. You can do a lot more online and uh, you know in in work with that. What um, do you do a lot of communication or surveying or anything of your or do you test new flavors with your folks that are that are on your on your website or on subscription? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I do. I will reach out to subscribers and and um, we have a, a a VIP Facebook group for people that are just love our product or love our brand that we'll do um, get surveys like get survey results from and and just talking to other people in the industry, you know, chefs you know, consumers of snacks and, and trying to get as much input as I can so that it's not just our team coming up with the new flavors and new products. So um, definitely a lot of, you know, external research that we do um, to make sure that people will enjoy whatever we bring out next. And, and you mentioned the bacon bic type products. So um, possibility of some, doing some more food service offerings? Yeah, d- definitely. Um, I think like we want to, I think if we do food service, we want to make sure that our products is branded uh, so that we're getting some of that exposure just because the margins with food service are are lower, at least, right. you know, for, for a product like ours. So um, it's definitely something that we have on the horizon, but I think we're, we're more focused on branded. So it's, if it's food service, we want our name on the menu and things like that, but we're definitely looking at food service. And, and once again, folks, if you're interested, uh, you can go to the web. It's Moku foods, M O K U F O O D S.com. And uh, you can, sign up and get some, uh, get some really good mushroom jerky. Um, what's, uh, as you're doing that selling and stuff, you mentioned, um, are, are, are you doing by the case or how are you selling it now online? Yeah. So we sell uh, six packs on our website, which to some people they're like, I don't want to spend $40 if I don't know what your product tastes like. But to combat that, we have a hundred percent happiness guarantee, meaning if someone doesn't like our product for any reason and literally any reason at all, Yep. We'll just give them an instant refund. We won't even, we'll, we, they can keep the product. They don't have to send it back. And uh, that allows people to not feel at risk if they don't like it by spending $40. Um, but the $40 is more for us to, to maintain a, an economical business because shipping is expensive. And if we were to ship one, one bag to people, it just wouldn't make sense economically. So we sell six, pack, six, uh, six packs on our website. And then on Amazon, we have a three pack offering so that if someone wants to, um, purchase it for you know a smaller pack they can do so. You know we mentioned at the top of the program about the uh, Amazon the invitation only program that you got involved with the emerging brands program. What what was that like? What uh, what did it entail? Yeah, so the emerging brands program they look at categories that are underutilized on Amazon and have a lot of 
search volume, but don't necessarily have products to, um, you know, fit that demand and, um, plant-based, you know, meatless mushroom jerky was one of those. And we got introduced to the team at Amazon and they tried our product, absolutely loved it. So, you know, they accepted us into the program and what it entails is, um, there's no contract or equity or, or, you know, a fee associated with it there. It's more of a marketing initiative for Amazon to bring brands that are not on Amazon already. And, and, you know, assign an account manager and, and help you optimize your business on there, give you free, you know, posts on their Instagram. And basically it's like a, a supercharged, um, um, you know, effort that they give you on Amazon to do your best. So it, it's, I'd say honestly, the biggest thing that the biggest benefit of it is having an account manager on Amazon. There, there's so many issues that come up on Amazon and you usually just have to, uh, you oh, know, yes. a case and, and just yeah. hope that someone gets back to you, but hang on the phone for yeah two, and three, with, four hours. Yeah, exactly. And with an account manager, you can escalate things that day. So just navigating the whole support system is, is probably the biggest benefit. Um, obviously when you're, con- you know, when, when your focus is D2C, um, building your community, keeping in touch with your community, what do you guys do for your, what do you guys do for your social media? And do you find that food or your jerky particularly reacts in certain areas versus others? You mentioned TikTok, you mentioned a couple of the others, or are you all across the board? Yeah, we're all across the board. I mean, for a D2C business, you know, you, you, ha- you kind of have to be everywhere so that you're top of mind and, and you, you create brand awareness. But through social media, we really strive to create a, a feeling or, you know, a, a lifestyle business through, through our brand. And, you know, so we're, we're very um, specific on our aesthetics and, and the mood and the, the, the voice and the colors that we use on our social media so that people can um, articulate a feeling with our, with our product or our brand. Um, and we keep that pretty consistent across different channels. So we have a full-time, you know, our first hire was uh, this woman named Gabby, who's so, so talented. She handles, she did all of our branding, our website design, all of our social, all of our content generation. So Got the brand it. definitely wouldn't be where it is today without her, but um, I'm very fortunate to have her to kind of run those, um, those different channels. And um, challenges that you found with, uh, you know, again, with, you know, doing, I mean, obviously you had a smooth process from Shopify standpoint, but what were some of the things you had to overcome to get people to, again, try it or sample it? Did you have to do a lot of free offers or what did you do to attract that attention? Yeah, I would say the challenges are around making people feel comfortable spending $40 on our website for jerky. Cause frankly, you know, it, it's a lot of money for a snack that they never try. But again, you know, having that hundred percent happiness guarantee definitely makes people more willing to try it. Um, you know, challenges around the Facebook iOS update for people that don't know what that right. is. You know, Apple and Facebook are, are at war with each other and um, people can now opt out of sharing their information to help Facebook's algorithm of presenting, you know, advertisements to them. And that hurts the algorithm and it hurts the brands that advertise on their platform. Yep. Um, so, you know, to face that brands are diversifying their, their ads across different channels. And that's something that we're doing with TikTok, for instance, or, or Google AdWords and, and um, Pinterest and things like that, because, you know, in the past brands were able to put the majority of their advertising in Facebook and, and that's no longer the case anymore. It's just not as sustainable as it was. So definitely a challenge. Um, um, but I, honestly, like most of the challenges came before launch and, and figuring out how to make a scalable product. And it's been a relatively smooth ride since we launched in December. Um, any supply chain issues during the pandemic and stuff or? Yeah, definitely delays. Uh, 
the ingredient, you know, supply chain issues, they were across the board. Just delays, it just kind of trickled down to to every industry, every ingredient. And I guess the the nice thing was that everyone's expectations during the pandemic were gone because everyone's everyone was right, going right. through things. So same, we're all in the same boat. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there wasn't as much pressure during that time, but there, there's always back end delays. It's just part of the business. Like um, you just have to live with it. Yeah. And if you have an ingredient list that's any length at all, there's always that possibility that it's the one thing, it's the cinnamon, right? What yeah. the hell? I can't get, I can't get cinnamon for three weeks. Well, that means I can't make it for three weeks. Yeah. Right. And, it's and not we, like, yeah. We ran into, to, you know, inventory issues where we couldn't restock Amazon and then your entire ranking goes down until, you know, it takes months and months to recoup that. So in um, your, in your, uh, as, as I, I coin it now, you're in organic search because it's really not organic. Yeah. Um, you know, right. It goes right straight to hell. I mean, just, yeah. you know, and you got to build it all back again when you're done. Exactly. So they, they don't, they don't play nice sometimes, but see what we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's some alternatives to that coming up. The, the, the other pressure, um, you know, Matt seems to me is, which will happen across DTC is uh, with the inflation or so there's inflation within food because of the supply chain, because of, but transportation, transportation costs as we speak are going up. Yeah. And, you know, whatever we're paying right now for, you know, a flat rate postal service box is going to look like a bargain, I think a year from now. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know how we, how we judge that or whether, does that lead to a rise in oil, which leads to a rise in diesel, which leads to a rise in, you know, so um, it's, it's very tough. Um, do you think that, you know, in, in terms of that going forward, do you think that you will have to rely more on larger sizes or are you still going to be like the, the, the three pack from Amazon, right? Goes under a light, the light program or whatever it is that, yeah. that they have. So, or do you think you need to increase your sizes or how will you deal with that? Yeah, I would say like a six pack is already kind of a lot for a first time purchase. So that's why we had to do a six pack for exactly what you were talking about in order for it to be economical for us and, and profitable for us due to the high shipping costs. Yeah. And, you know, one th- one interesting thing about Amazon is that they, they obviously take a marketplace fee of 15%, but you're almost able to recoup that because their shipping and fulfillment costs are so low. And, you know, yeah. you cannot yeah. get that same price when you're no. fulfilling it from a 3PL um, and I don't know if they're subsidizing that or the, if they just have such big contracts with the, the carriers and because they're, they are their own carrier, they can, you know, get that price so low, but it, it just makes the platform even more powerful because people, a lot of brands have to use Amazon because the shipping is so low with them that they, oh. you know, can't. so yeah. it just shows that like, that's another, you know, powerful and, and, and part and of if Amazon. You're, if you're FBA, which you, which you want to be right, right. to take yep. advantage of that, then you also open yourself up to, you can do brand registry, you can do a whole yep. bunch of, and again, in organic search, I think FBA products rank higher in searches than yeah. self-fulfilled products. Just, just saying, yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and those fees uh, actually have recently increased uh, or will be going into effect by the, and by the time this airs. Um, but even still it's right. You're it's amazingly cheap. And then I have, people will talk to me about, you know, Amazon and they'll say, oh, I can't be on Amazon because it's just, it's too expensive. And I'm going, what, where, where are you buying your shipping? Number one. And number two is, have you ever worked with a distributor? Because if you work with a distributor, you're going to find not that bad on Amazon really isn't, you know, it's, it's, you know, comparing Shopify margins to Amazon, they're getting closer and closer. Yeah. Wow. 
that's going to be it's going to be an interesting next year as we I don't know what to, what to call this. We, we this is not post pandemic. This is kind of mid pandemic actually probably. Yeah. You know, but as we come out of that and begin to get back to whatever the normal is, I think um, it'll be interesting to see. It, at this point, at least the 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 e commerce sector has all the gains that it made during pandemic have pretty much held on to. I mean, there are some things that people aren't buying as much online, but other stuff, uh, I was talking with somebody in pet supply the other day, pet food, they didn't see it really go down. Mm -hmm. They saw it go up, but then people stopped buying that obviously at retail. They just switched to to convenient, figuring out. So, well, hey, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, man. It's a great, great story. Great product. Again, guys, mokufoods.com. Wanted to ask you about uh, basically, since our audience is a lot of people like yourself who are entrepreneurs in the food and beverage space, if you could share with us, if you have a particular word or mantra or uh, phrase, something that you use that you want to pass along to other people who are who are going through this with you. Yeah, I would say the word would be balance because as a solo entrepreneur, which is how I started, I was so deep into my business that when there were good days, I was feeling high. And when there were bad days, I felt all the lows. And the balance could mean, you know, bringing on complimentary, a complimentary co-founder or two that can take some of the weight off your shoulders and, you know, speed up the, um, the go to market of the business, but also just like balancing your life, you know, just because you're a solo founder or, or a co-founder doesn't mean you have to put all your time into the business. I think balancing your, your schedule and your, your energy into different things will actually allow your work on your business to be even more effective. And it just, you know, helps you maintain a healthier headspace because it's so easy to get wrapped up into that world of just putting all your time and energy into your business. And at the end of the day, it can lead to burnout. It can lead to an unhealthy right. headspace. So I think balance is, is key. It, and and I, I think it keeps you actually more creative mm-hmm. as a founder, because again, you get, you know, a, a lot of entrepreneurs spend too much time putting out fires and not enough sparking new ideas. I mean, it's it's one of those things. So at any rate, hey, appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. We'll have you uh, back on the the program, maybe, uh, you know, year down the road, we'll talk about uh, breaking into retail and doing all those good things. Yeah, I had fun, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. And thanks to all of you out there for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, part of the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, health, or wellness, you should be part of the Next Level Brands community. Education, resources, workshops, founder coaching, more information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.